Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. I am continuing in a series called Build. And I want us to look at this scripture. And I've got a lot of, a lot of scripture. So I'm going to go quick see how the Holy Spirit just allows that to flow in and flow through. Amen. So we're learning something here today. We're going to grasp a hold of some things. We're going to renew our mind according to the truth that is in you. And that truth comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the faith in which we receive to access the very grace of God. Because we know that grace can be accessed. There's a lot of scriptures on that. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, this is the King James Version, the people perish. That scripture in other translations, and when you study it out in the Hebrew, it also tells us with an understanding that this word vision is a disclosed assignment and purpose. Where there is is no disclosed assignment and purpose, the people... That means this disclosed, it's uncovering. And by some translations, New King James Version uses that word as revelation, where there is no revelation. What is revelation? It's something that's been disclosed. It's been revealed. It's been uncovered. You've been enlightened. Come on. My word, the entrance of my word brings, the entrance of my word, the Bible says, God said, it brings life. It brings light. It brings light to us. Enlightened. Uncovered. It's been disclosed to you. He says, Where this is not, my people perish. That word perish there literally means in the Hebrew language to cast off restraint. To cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, no disclosed assignment. And he's not speaking to just individuals. If you notice, he says, my people. Huh? How many of you say, we are his people? I said, how many of you say, we are his people? Turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, just for a moment. I want to show you something about Jesus Christ and about God and why God sent Jesus. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, very powerful scripture there. It's a Christmas scripture. Isn't that right? Huh? That's what we use for Christmas. But this ain't a Christmas scripture, guys. Come on. Can I say it like that? We need to get an understanding of this. Let's look at this just for a moment. This is for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Everybody say us. So why was Jesus born? For us. Why was he given? For us. Do you see me and I in there? No. Us. See, there is a reason why God... Jesus was born, sent his son. The reason why he was born was for us. Are you hearing me? We always say, oh, he was for me. No, for us. Because there's something in us that was missing that Jesus had to come and fulfill and put in us. Because we didn't have this revelation. We didn't have a disclosed assignment. Because it's not about me or I or you, it's about us. We need to get the us in, in our conversation. We need to understand the church, which is the us, 
of Jesus Christ. We need to understand the kingdom of God. We need to get a grip and a realization to the assignment that God has given to his church. Because when you do, it'll be less about you and more about us. The grace given isn't about me, I, or you. It's for us. Every member supplying what the us has need of. Come on. Are you with me right now? Am I teaching? Is this right? Is this scriptural? See, we need to have an us mentality. We need to have an understanding of the revelation and the disclosed assignment for us as the body. Because when you get that, you don't cast off restraint. What is casting off restraint? Well, here's how I see it. Here's how I want it. We start looking for our desire to be fulfilled. Are you hearing me? But it's not about the me and the I and the you. It's about the us. And when you get this revelation, you get this understanding. That's why there's different types of knowledge that needs to be equipped into the body of Christ. That type of knowledge is what I call hard knowledge, which is the the understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, the understanding of salvation, the understanding of faith and grace and, and church leadership and just different things like that. But then there's the soft knowledge, which is the character things, where that when you begin to serve, what's in you starts to actually manifest and if, what motivation you have, how you see it, so to speak. Are you with me? Begins to show up. We need to have both levels of training, development. That's called discipleship. Are you hearing me? I'm making it clear as I can with an understanding of the keys of church growth, of maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. Is this okay? But without that, see, we like to do the minimum time a lot of things. You know, well, I just don't have the opportunity. I don't have that. So we're going to make things available. Okay, the best we can. But that doesn't fulfill everything. You can have all the hard knowledge you want, but not have the soft knowledge, and it's not no good. It always focuses on my ministry and not on the us. Are you hearing me? The elements of discipleship and the understanding of this is so important. So the elements of that soft and hard knowledge. And why am I saying these things? Because look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we see the work of Christ. We see the ministry of Christ throughout the Gospels. We see it even there quoted out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where he's the mighty counsel, the wonderful God. Come on, all of those wonderful things. We know he's Jehovah Rapha. We know he's Jehovah Jireh. We know these are the things in, which, in whom he is to us. Isn't that true? You have to receive that for yourself, but we also have to see it. It's not, he's not just trying to... let me. How do I want to say this? Holy Spirit, let me help, help me with it. The thought is, is that he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He was sent to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. You hear the word preaching? There's a lot of it. Preach deliverance to the captive and, and the recovery of sight to the blind. So the preaching goes with both. To preach. He's constantly talking about this understanding of that communication, the ability to communicate the very grace of God that's accessible to every man and woman. And this is a very important key. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are you saved 
through faith and that not of yourselves. You see that. When people oftentimes, now don't get me wrong, this, this salvation, this walk with Christ in relationship with the Lord is not a personal thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. It is a personal relationship you need to have with God. But Christianity, the, the whole concept of the gospel is not a personal thing. It's a public thing. That means when the world and the public say, no, you make it personal. You say, well, God told me to make it public. He told me to preach the gospel to every creature. Do you hear me? So when you hear that, is it better to obey God or men? That's what that scripture is about. Not about using it inside the house of God against those in leadership. Are you with me? I'm preaching real good right now. We don't have any of those issues, but I'm just kind of saying that for a moment. Because it's important because you hear hearsay in the, in the realm of society and in the body of Christ that does something to people that weakens them from not having the strength to be who God called you to be and do what God called you to do and to receive the fullness of the grace of God. God wants you to receive the fullness of his grace. Man, I remember that word that the Holy Spirit spoke to us and it was stirring in me as we was worshiping the Lord and I was just thinking and just magnifying him, singing that song, I have seen cancer disappear. I have seen the dead raised. Come on, y'all know that song? I've seen those things personally. I've watched God move in our ministry here and abroad, seeing those things. I've seen dead people rise from the dead. I've seen cancers leave. I've seen the sick made whole. I've seen the the unsaved and the most worldly person be born again and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's not I. That's the grace. Paul said it like that. He said, it's not I that work it, but it's the grace on me. Come on. The unmerited, un, un, unmerit, that, that, that place where we can't work for, but we trust in, we believe God, we enter into that grace by faith. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he has done for you and I, you have access into that place to receive the enabling power of God to do everything God would have you to do. Isn't that awesome? So the Bible says that we're saved by this grace. None of yourselves, none of works, lest any man should boast. You know, there are a lot of times people will take various things and make it a work. The church is real good at that. The church is real good at you trying to earn the grace that God has already provided for you instead of believe upon it and trust that it's working in you and on you. That means when he says, salvation, you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. What area of that still tells you that you're bound? Do you believe you're saved? Do you believe you're born again? That sin has no more dominion over you. That the very power of sin has been destroyed. Like Romans 6 says. We talk about being baptized into Christ. We talk about being risen together with newness of life. Think about it, guys. If this is a reality, then we have to trust in it. And why do we trust in it? Because we meditate on it. We think about it. We confess it. We say it. We know it. We believe it. How many of you say you can believe God? 
Come on, we're not trying to believe in God. We're not trying to believe God will do something. We're saying, oh, God, you have done something in Christ, and now it's working in me. But there's a lot of things that go in contradiction to that where now you're still trying to get there. You're trying to earn that salvation somehow for yourself. But Jesus died and broke the pains of death and hell. He made, and he made a show of triumphant over all of the demons, over all the powers of hell. You can't do that. He did that for you. You have to receive that grace and believe upon it. Think about it. Anything else is a dead work trying to get you to get into that place. Turning the Bible to John chapter 5 for a moment. Is this okay? Praise the Lord. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'll tell you, this is such a powerful statement, what you're going to see. Verse 1. So we're accessing grace. I want to look in John chapter 5 just for a moment, if you will. I could go through various passages of scriptures. and Maybe I will just depend on time here. Look in John chapter 5, verse 1. It says... After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So the Bible tells us that what we have received was because Jesus sent his son for us. We know that he lived. He manifested himself. We're seeing here that Jesus, he went up to a feast of the Jews. When Jesus went to here, which was in Jerusalem, Remember, he had an earthly ministry revealing the freedom, according to Galatians, this liberty to us. You know, Galatians chapter 1 talks about, uh, three, verse 1 talks about that. And it tells us that we have a liberty that Jesus has provided for us. And then he also warns the church and rebukes them and says, how come everybody's getting back under the, under the curse? Are you with me? When you've been made free, from the curse of the law. Are you hearing me? He said, who hath bewitched you? Thinking that you're going to earn it. You're going to work for it. You're going to somehow get it in that way instead of believe God for it and believe what he's done in you that has made you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful understanding? Now think about this. We're, we're, we, let me just show you something here. Look at this. I believe this is the Holy Ghost. If you'll see this today, you'll see this today. I believe this will, will, will speak to your heart. Because I believe he's not just talking about a blind man. I've preached this message. I've heard this message preached. I've read this, this story. And there's one thing that's in this story that's always kind of troubled me. And through, through just ministering and understanding and, and by prayer and through revelation. I want to show you something today. Look at this. Verse 2 says, now they're at Jerusalem by the sheep pool, the sheep market, a pool, or by the sheep gate, which is in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. Now, I want, just, I want us to look at this. Let's, let's just keep reading and I'll go back to it. But in, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind and of halt, withered, waiting, waiting for the moving of the water, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had been there a long time in that, in that case, in that way. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? 
The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but where I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise up, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to go back to verse 2 for a moment, as I said I would. I want you to look at this just for a moment. And I pray today that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. I pray today that even now that you're coming to an a, 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 a understanding and some knowledge and, and, and some equipping with, with some understanding to grab a hold of this because it's so important. Because the Bible talks and, and tells us, how many believe that we are the sheep of his pasture, that he is the good shepherd? Come on. How many of you know that the Bible refers to us as sheep? Is that right? So we see here in verse 2, it talks about the sheep market or the, or the pool, the sheep gate, the sheep pool. And the sheep were coming up, and this pool was right outside of the temple. It was right there at the temple. And there was five porches there. And that word Bethesda there in the, in the Greek tongue, uh, when, and, and, and also it is referred to uh, not only then, but this is not the city Bethesda. This is the pool Bethesda. And that word there actually means place or house of mercy and grace. House of grace. By translation, this is what is called the house of grace. And there's five porches. And I want you to get you this in your thinking. They would come in through this gate. When they'd enter in, they would come through and have access into the pool, which is called the house of grace, through five porches. Now, what does that bring to mind in the New Testament? Five-fold ministry. Think about it. For the equipping of the saints. Come on. By access into this grace through faith. Come on. And what's happening here, we see there's five porches. But if you look in these five porches, what's there? A great multitude of sick folk. Impotent. Halt. They're blind. You know, the Bible says the blind lead the blind. They both fall into the ditch. Paul prayed, he said it like this in Ephesians, I pray, I pray that you be strengthened with might in the inner man by his spirit, that Christ dwells in your heart by faith. He's not making weak folk, he's making strong folk. Are you hearing me right now? But here we see great multitudes in these porches. I believe this is, can be a type, I believe, of a lot of areas in, in Christianity today. Maybe a lot, some churches in that aspect. A lot of great multitude is in there, but they're not being accessed to the grace. They're not gaining this access into this grace wherein we stand and hope in the glory of God. Are you with me right now? And it says in verse 3, it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting, waiting. You know, waiting is connected to halt, blind, lame, impotent. They're waiting for a moving. They're waiting for the move. They're waiting for something to move. They're waiting for an angel to step down and trouble the water. You know, this became an act. I want you to think about this. When you read this, it says, in verse 4, it says, For an angel went down to, at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then, first at the troubling of the water, stepped in was made of whole of whatsoever. So we saw that whosoever could get healed from whatsoever if they stepped into the pool. But they were waiting. They were waiting for something to happen. 
And look at what Jesus did when he come across this pool. He saw a certain man that was been there with an infirmity. This word infirmity there says, and an infirmity. I, I thought, okay, well, what is this infirmity? And when you study that out in the Greek, it literally just says that this infirmity, which really kind of stuck out to me, was not a sickness, so to speak, as we would think of in itself, but it was a way of waiting, almost laziness. He was just lying there. Even the scripture says, and Jesus saw him lying there. That infirmity that he had was because he was just waiting. I'm letting that sink in just for a moment. He was lying there. He was, the Bible says, and Jesus saw him, and he knew that he'd been there a long time. And he said, with thou be made whole. And the impotent man said, sir, I have no man to put me into this pool. You know, when you begin to look at this, it's this the job of the five-fold ministry is to help equip the saints to give them the hard knowledge and the soft knowledge, to be able to correct, instruct, rebuke. But that means you're going to have to receive some things. Are you with me? But how do we do that? Through humility. The Bible says we humble ourselves one to another. We, we have to learn to allow that process to take place in us. That's the self-knowledge. That's where it actually begins to, to make uh, some, some relevance in your life within the body of Christ. The world tells you something different. You live for yourself. It's about you. It's, about, you know, it's all about me. My rights. My way. But in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a bit different. No, he says, no, we serve one another. That we, we, are, we are doing something different than just a selfish kind of mindset. Are you with me? You see, if we begin to look at this, the Bible says that in Jeremiah chapter 3, Jeremiah chapter 3, a very powerful scripture there. I want you to look in verse 11 with me just for a moment. And in this scripture... In Jeremiah chapter 3, I'm going to go to Old Testament, New Testament, because all of these things kind of connect together in many areas here. And I'm, I want to, again, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're hearing and receiving something from this understanding today about how God builds your life and how he builds his church, how he builds his kingdom. He uses you and I through the grace that he's given to us. And that grace is there like in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, I believe it is, uh, talks about that each one has been given a measure of this grace. Huh? That, you, that, that whatever God is going to do in you, he's going to continue. Uh, he's giving you a measure, and he's going to continue to build on that measure of grace according to that gift, according to that grace. And he uses us according to that level that we have of the grace of God working in our life, which is an enabling power, which is an unmerited favor for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the building of the body, for the work of the ministry, not just in the house but outside of the house. That grace you carry with you everywhere that you go. But we can't hide that under a bushel. We can't, can't put our light under a bushel, hide it under a bed when we're in the public sphere. No, you're called to be a change agent for Jesus Christ. You're carrying the grace of God. You're called to be as he is, First John says. So are you in this world. 
But we have to identify with that. We're not just trying to get God to make our life better and fix our lives, and hopefully somehow that's going to work out. No, we're going to have to live at the level of the revelation according to the disclosed assignment of the body of Christ. The Bible says, go into all the world and make disciples of men, teaching them to observe the things I've taught you. So what do we do? We have to show them the reality of the grace of God that's been working in our lives. That we're not saved by the works. No, we're saved because Jesus died and and, and rose again from the dead. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Far above all principality. He's far above all principality and power, might, and dominion. And the Bible says that you were raised up with him. So where is your positional place? Is is Satan over you? Is, Is all of these things over you? No, no, no. Your positional place is in Christ. Far above But if you don't believe that grace is working in you, it won't work for you. If you're still trying to fight to win that. No, no, no. You have to trust God in your positional place. You believe God. I said you believe God. We believe God according to what he has spoken. As it is written, Romans 4, 17, I have made thee. See, God has made you holy and righteous in Christ. I'm not trying to become holy. I'm not trying to become righteous. He has made me righteous in him. Are you hearing me today? Not according to my own works. Now, there will be works of righteousness. Why? Because I have a personal relationship. I fear the Lord. I want to develop and grow. That's what we should do as the body of Christ. The reason why we're not running around sinning all the time and having all that kind of lifestyle in us and allowing that lifestyle in our households and our families. That's why it's so important to bring your children and family to church as much as you can. Get them in the house of God. Bring people that you know to the house of God. Why? Because this is a place of grace where they can be equipped to live this life unto God because there will be one day a judgment that all men will stand before him in. Are you hearing me today? This place is a place of training, a place of discipleship. That's what the church is for. That's what the fivefold ministry is for. If not, you've got a great multitude of people in your church not accessing the grace. They're weak. They're out there listening to the world instead of listening to God. They're not manifesting the grace of God that's on their life. They're not being a witness everywhere that they go unto him. They're not saying and declaring the goodness of God in the land of the living. Why? Because of fear. Because of other areas in their life. Maybe the lack lack of equipping. I don't know. But in Jesus' name, it's not going to be in this house of grace. We're going to give access to every person. We're going to get you off the porch and into the pool. Are you with me? You might want to lay on that porch. That's all right. We'll get you there. There's a lot of porches out there. A lot of people cuddling up. Are you with me? Trying to do good works, but not leading people to repentance. The last day move of God is going to be a move, not of the angel falling down, but of the people of God arising up with the grace of God going into the world. Believing God, not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. And how, they can, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless a preacher, a person who would declare the word of God is sent? And Jesus said, I'm sending you. Amen? So we see, are you in Jeremiah chapter 3? If you will, just look real quick here. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 3, I haven't forgot that. 
This is a, a unique thing that's going on here uh, in, in Jeremiah uh, as he's a prophet and he's, and he's ministering and, he, and he's, he's got a unique ministry. And one of the things that we find here is, is Israel and Judah have, uh, first Israel has turned from God and, and, and has, what the Bible says, been an adulterous bride. And Judah, the sister of Israel, God said in this prophecy, he said that you've even done greater treachery. He says, you're treacherous, Judah. Why? Because you saw your sister go through this and you saw me give them a, a, a paper of divorce. It's right there in the scripture. And it says that, it says you saw this and then you reacted and you went and did the same thing she did and you now your forehead is like the harlot. You're doing it without shame. You're proud of it. You're all right with it. And it's worse than, than Israel. But one of the things that he talks about here, and he begins to, to speak and he begins to say something. He says, so some things are going to change. And he's prophesying about this New Testament church and about an understanding of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. Remember, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the Bible says that here he goes on to to, to talk about this, after you get to verse 11, it says, The Lord said unto me, The backsliding of Israel has justified herself more than the treacherous Judah. So go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel. Say it, the Lord, I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, says the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers. Unto every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. How many of you know the book of James says, do not be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, or you deceive yourself. You deceive yourself. Doesn't mean that you're being taught deception. It means you're deceiving yourself because you're not a doer. You're hearing it, but you're not doing it. You're accepting some of it and not accepting the rest of it. Oftentimes it's because there's been porches that have taught people that you're, you, that grace is not yet provided for you. You're going to have to earn it somehow. Instead of trusting the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, and everything is within you, and receive of the grace of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ, wherein you stand and you believe, and you make profession of that, and you renew your mind, and you walk as a child of the living God, set free from the bondage of sin, set free from death and of hell and of the grave, because you have been made free. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus did that work. Isn't that good news? So there's a grace that we enter into. And listen, it's a multifaceted grace. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us, and Ephesians chapter 2 talks about it. And I'm not going to go there right now, but I want you to see something here. Verse 14, it says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And I will take you of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you unto Zion. And I will give you pastors according to my heart. You see that? Before they had judges, they had kings, they had these priests. And now he said, I'm going to give you pastors according to my heart. And he goes on to say, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Everybody say that with me. Feed me with knowledge and understanding. You know, my, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they... Reject it. Are you hearing me right now? I didn't say it. God said it. I'm just bringing the word out so we can receive it. 
so we can stand in it and believe it and walk it out, work it out, live it out, building his kingdom, building our lives. So the Bible goes on to say, and it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall they, they, they be done anymore, or that shall be done anymore. So the Bible says, and he's talking about a, a change in the spirit that God's going to give pastors to feed us. See, oftentimes we say, well, I'm going to follow, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to do it the way. No, the Bible says we need to follow after, and it teaches us in the exampleship throughout the New Testament. Paul says, follow me as I follow after Christ. He says, and the Bible talks about this equipping of the church. It's not about making cults between a, a person or anything or creating some kind of porch. No, it's about getting people into access of the pool so they can become everything that God's called them to do and receive all the grace that God has provided for us in Christ that we're not sheep to slaughter. No, we're more than conquerors. We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Are you with me right now? I'm preaching real good this morning. You're not amening enough. Amen? But it's so important. I used to say, Preaching real good for a young preacher. I don't think I can say that no more, brother. <laughs> i leave that one on Jake now, amen? But experience has taught me a lot, too, with an understanding. Because when we have revelation, we have understanding concerning the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not supposed to be filled with multitudes of people sitting and waiting for the move of God. No, we have a move of God as soon as you decide to have one. Are you with me? That stirring doesn't happen through legend or through some kind of tradition of man because that's what they created at the pool. That instead of a house of grace, it became the works. Let me prove it to you. Look in John chapter 5. It says, for in verse 4, it says, for the angel went down at a certain season. This was the whole, whole tradition. This, this became kind of like the, the, the superstition of everything. This is called the house of grace. But Remember, these porches were ran by the priests. They were run by these, uh, uh, the, the, the Jewish council, and they oversaw that. Instead of helping the sheep get into the pool, they kept them in the porch, sometimes for 38 years. Think that. Think about that. And it says, so whosoever then would first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in would be made whole. Now, I don't believe it's the will of God for just whoever's first. Come on, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Are you with me right now? See, oftentimes it's about competition. I, I tell you today, there's a, there's a church culture of competition. Uh, and it happens within the church. You know, if you can get into that clicker, if you can uh, maneuver around and gain people uh, uh, on your side or whatever, within the body of Christ, you'll get your way or you'll, you'll shift the, the vision or the assignment of the church towards nothing. Oftentimes. Not the equipping of the saints. For the pounding of the chest oftentimes that the world will say, look how good they are. Think about it. We're here to preach the gospel, to deliver, and to bring freedom to the world. The answer for every one of mankind's need is Jesus. So we see this impotent man. The Bible says Jesus said to him, uh, look in verse 7. Let me back up. So this impotent man, that word impotent just means he was weak. So apparently he, didn't, he might not even had a disease. He was weak. We don't know. That infirmity was because he was lying there. That's what it points to. It means that he was waiting. It, means he, it actually means just because he didn't have the strength to get in. 
But see, the Word of God should strengthen you in faith. The Word of God should tell you, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You're not waiting for somebody to strengthen you. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can be that witness. You can live your life through the pressure that's in the world. His grace is sufficient for you. No matter if the enemy comes against you, Paul, in in the book of Corinthians, he prayed three times. Satan was buffeting him, the Bible says, buffeting him. And the religious have taken that and tried to connect some other things to it. But let me just tell you something. If you think Paul had an eye problem, listen, he was stoned to death. Granted, he had a lot of stripes in his body and all these kind of things. But if you think that the blinding of Paul at the time that he met Jesus, that Jesus left him in that condition, you're wrong. You haven't read the book of Acts because he sent a man there who went there, laid hands on him, and the scales from him fell from his eyes, and he could see. Are you with me? That means Jesus healed him. Well, I say, well, well, you know, the Bible says that he, Paul said, well, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, you, you would have, you, you understood all the stuff I was going through, man, you'd have plucked out your eye for me. All right, you cut off your right hand for me. That was a different kind of terminology. You pluck out your eye, you, pluck out, you cut off your hand. Anybody ever, you understand? You take off the shirt off your back. That's what that was meant by. Not a literal understanding that he had an eye problem, so they'd give him an eye. They could. Are you with me? It's because they'd do anything they could to help him, to do whatever needed to be done. Oh, amen or oh, me. But see, religion comes in. Oftentimes, tradition comes in. It keeps people on the porch, and they love their traditions. People love their traditions because it keeps them on the porch. Are you with me? They don't have to get in the game. They can do it the way they see fit. They can do it however it's convenient and comfortable for them. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to preach to declare the good news of Jesus. They don't, they don't hear this. They don't understand. They don't, and so we go according to other things has been said to us with the multitudes on porches. So the Bible says here in verse 9, it says immediately. So Jesus told him, verse, uh, verse 7, sorry, go back to verse 7. So the impotent man, this weak man, answered and said, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. And when I come down another step before me, as I'm going to tell you today, it's not about a, a, a other people getting before you. It's about you getting before God. It's about your desire, your passion, your, your element of, of taking up the cross, denying yourself, and following him. To do that, you have to be equipped. That's what it means in that area of denying. It's being the equipped area. It's that area of, 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 of development and area of doing the things that you've learned and that you understand and who you are. Be sad if you can't live who you are. The world comes out. Why don't you come out? Amen. The world's not ashamed. They're like the harlot that says, I'm not ashamed of my adulterous, treacherous relationship outside of God and with the, with the, with the spirit of this age. Well, why would you be hiding and ashamed to the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation that's taken place in your life and the goodness of God and the freedom that he can give to all humanity and salvation that will come through him by the blood of Jesus Jesus said, rise up. Rise up. Everybody say, rise up. Everybody say, rise up. Come on, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And look in verse 10. The Jews, 
therefore said unto him, that was cured, it is a Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Immediately, somebody, before they even got out of the church, said, hmm, yeah, what'd you think about that message? Yeah, I better go sit back down. I, I don't want to stand there. Why? Because you, you carrying a bed around says something. It says, hey, I've been delivered from something. I've been cured from something. I've been healed from something. And look what I got right here. Yeah, huh? Yeah, oh, Jesus don't want you to stand out. He made that man carry that bed. He knew what those people would do. Those are the pool boys. Porch boys sitting around putting people back on the porch. That's what they are. They happen all around us today in the body of Christ, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Conversation. Oh, no, 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 no. Because, you know, Crabs like to keep everybody in the same bucket they're in. They don't like anybody getting down. You ever hear me tell that story years ago? There's a boy walking on a pier. There's this little black lady. She was over there fishing. She had this, she had this uh, chicken neck on a, on a string, and she was lowering that chicken. I was like, interesting. what in the world is that lady doing? That string is rope, like a little, little, little twine. And what's she doing? I know she's not fishing. No, we come out to her fishing poles, you know, we're going to do some fishing. She's over here in the stream. She's on it down. Also, a few, few seconds later, she just bring it right back up. Be crab hanging on the end of that thing. She put it in the bucket. So I'm sitting there. I was, I was amazed, mesmerized by this. Look at that bucket. Man, I hear all this scuffling around, all this. And I'm like, wow. And man, I see them climbing up. I mean, she got a stack of crabs in this bucket about that deep. You know, there's about that many crabs. And they're on top of one another, climbing on each other. And I asked the woman, I said, how come you don't uh, put a lid on them? Aren't you afraid them crabs are going to get out? They're getting real close to the top. And I'm not going to stick my finger in there to help you push it back down, you know. And she's like, oh, no, you don't need a lid because the crabs keeps all the other crabs in the bucket. I said, oh, that's stuck. Are you with me? We create porches. Instead of this supposed to be access to the pool, we got them all laying on the porch created tradition. No, 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 no. Only, only, only. Are you with me? You don't see that in the Bible, though. Do I understand divine order? Do we understand all of these other principles that the Bible talks about submitting and, and having authority and all the different things and overseeing? Yeah, yeah, all of that's, all that's right and all that's right. All that's true. But it's not meant and either side of that, uh, we can get a traditional religious way or a selfish way, a prideful way, an arrogant way, not humble and working together as the body's supposed to, to fulfill the assignment and the mission that God has, re by revelation, disclosed through his word and his spirit for the house of grace. Come on, are you with me? We're not supposed to be in competition. We have gifts differing, not competing. We're not trying to pull people out. And Jews said people trying to feed people into their own belly, pulling people out into their own way. They're not there for the, they don't have a revelation. They, they, they have no restraint because they're not received of the disclosed revelation for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and become people who divide and sow discord. Are you with me right now? Praise ye the Lord. And where do we find it? Right here. In the word of God. Amen? So this place of grace. You know, the pastor, the shepherd, when you look at the fivefold ministry, and you begin to see this, the Bible says in verse 7, Ephesians chapter 4, look quickly with me just there. I'm going to be closing with this. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7, but unto every one of us, 
Everybody say us. You see that? Did I make that up? Is that what your Bible says? Okay. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captain, he gave gifts unto men. Not that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first in lower parts of the earth. I'm going to teach on all that. But he says, he that descended in the same also as descended far above heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some. He gave gifts and he gave, he gave this grace, some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come. Everybody say all. That's his intention, isn't it? Into what? Unity of the faith and of the knowledge. Remember, knowledge and understanding of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature, grown person unto the measure, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, the Bible says in these last days there's going to be a pouring out of the abundance of grace. Even though there will be gross darkness on the, in the world, this is why the church has to be equipped. We do not fear what goes on in the world. No, when you trust God, listen, and, and, and you allow that love to develop on the inside of you. Love, perfect love, that mature type of love, that, that agape type of love, casts out all fear. Isn't that beautiful? You can trust God. You can trust first that he loved you. That's why you love him. He first loved you. You trusted that he loved you, right? How many of you trust that God loves you? He does love you. And you can trust that. But that's why you love him. Are you getting this? You can trust in the salvation. You can trust in the Holy Spirit of God. You can trust in the grace that's working on your life. You can trust that you've been made free. You can trust God. You can trust that God's going to move on your behalf. You can trust in that unmerited favor that when you put your hand to something, glory to God, the outcome's going to be the will of God in this area. According to the knowledge that I have, according to what God has said, what God has spoken. And, and listen, it's not just about the me, it's about the us. Amen? Sure, there'll be uh, areas in your life, but it's never really separated. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, the Bible tells us that this work is so important. In verse 14, that we henceforth, this is so beautiful, be no more children tossed to and fro. You know what that means? Without restraint. It, it means that there, there's a disclosed understanding of what we're doing while we're doing it and what the outcomes are going to be. Are you with me? We're here to equip, to, to empower, so you go to work. Not just for yourself, but for God and all that you do. And trust God in everything that you do. So that you're a light in a dark place. That you're a witness unto Jesus Christ. That you'll have fruit in heaven based upon the actions of, that you have received according to the revelation and, and, and the understanding, according to knowledge of what God has done in you. Listen, I said it last week, God, God calls committed disciples. There's been people say, I, even in the Bible, said, I'll follow you, Jesus. He said, okay, all right. He said, I, I'm, you know, he had all the qualifications, the rich young ruler. 
But he walked away sorrowful because there was something still in him. And instead of receiving it and saying, all right, Jesus, I'll do what you say. He walked away from it. Think about it. It's not going to come without challenge. It's not going to come without development and growth and change and obedience to God. It's not like that. Because there's a responsibility at the level of grace that God has given to you. And the knowledge that you have to perform it, to do it, to live it in love, with love, by love. Come on, think about it. So that we're not tossed about with every wind of doctrine and the slight of men, the pool keepers, come on. Cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love that we might grow up in him. Come on, which is that fullness of Christ. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.